Make this Christmas memorable with Goat Guns. Get the coolest miniature gun models for your collection. From historical classics to modern weapons, we have something for every firearm and hobby enthusiast. Surprise your loved ones with the gift of Goat Guns, the perfect blend of quality and detail. Shop now and spread the joy at GoatGuns.com. Welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast, your go-to source for personal, professional, and organizational growth and development. We hope you tune in often for all things people management, organizational development and change, organizational leadership, and social impact related. Maximize your personal and organizational potential with Human Capital Innovations Podcast. Welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. In this HCI podcast episode, I talk with Brendan Baker about the key difference between organizational change that sticks and change that doesn't. Brendan Baker, welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. Thank you for having me. It's a, it's, uh, I'm excited to be here. Yeah, it's a pleasure to be with you. You're joining us from Australia, so it's bright and early, or perhaps dark and early, um, where you're at. I'm south of Salt Lake City in Utah, and today we're going to be talking about the key difference between organizational change that sticks and change that doesn't. You know, the, the number gets thrown around, 80% of all change initiatives fail, uh, whether that number is accurate or if it's just one of those easy, you know, mental shortcuts that we take when we're describing things. I'm not actually sure. I've, I've seen different research on that. But uh, the, the bottom line is most change initiatives don't end up sticking. They, they don't end up being sustainable. And organizations uh, end up reverting back to what they were doing previously. And so effective, um, sustainable organizational change is really hard. We'll talk about some of those elements that can increase the chances of them being more sticky and sustainable um, and, and some good examples from your work and, and what you're doing. As we get started, I wanted to share Brendan's bio with everybody. In a world filled with armies of consulting graduates sitting in dimly lit rooms, retroactively justifying why the, the latest transformational initiative went ahead, Brendan Baker is converting others to a radical new idea. Keep it simple. We are all involved in changing our organizations, whether we know it or not. The issue is that industry has overcomplicated it. As a leading expert in the field, Brendan Baker has consulted on over 10 billion in change across a range of industries, including public infrastructure, business, culture transformations, restructures, technology deployments, and more. Uh, And I could go on and on. Uh, You've just done so much great work. Brendan, anything else that you would like listeners to know about your background before we launch on into the conversation? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so the, uh, you've covered it quite well in terms of backgrounds, but I'm the, the manager director and I founded the Valuable Change Co. Uh, and and what, we, what, what, what the key mission for us is to help change leaders drive real value. That, that's, that's, our, that's our key mission. But we do have a, a secondary mission, which, which you touched on a little bit in the bio there, which is to help fight unnecessary complexity. So much of that is, has crept in into, into, into our corporate lives and, and it's and it's not necessarily needed. Uh, we, we've, so often these changes, and I think we'll touch on this throughout this discussion, is so often 
change leaders lose sight of that bigger picture. Uh, and so the valuable change code is really about drawing them back in. Uh, and then we can't also forget that uh, I'm also happily married and have uh, two beautiful young girls. Yeah, that's wonderful. Uh, and thank you for that, that additional context and that background. That's also very helpful. So as we dive on in, uh, maybe we can just start with defining terms a little bit. I mean, we, we talk about change management, organizational development, change leadership on this podcast often. So I don't think this concept uh, or the terminology is new to people necessarily, but what do you mean by change leadership uh, and what makes a change truly valuable? Why is that something that we need to be thinking about? Absolutely. Uh, so a, a truly valuable change is, and, and you know, it's to, to reinforce that, that echo of simplicity, a truly valuable change is, is one that solves a key organizational need or desire. That, that's, that's really it. Nice and simple. And it's, it's, it's quite broad. Um, <clears throat> now, as for change leadership, my definition there is the ability to, to look beyond the, the depth of the rigor and, and, and drive holistically across a change. So, um, and I think we'll talk a little bit about my book in, in this discussion, but a key reason why I, I wrote that book and a key reason why I founded the Valuable Change Co. is uh, across my entire career, I've been heavily involved in changing organizations in, in various different forms. And what I've noticed is that the industry is very segmented. Uh, there's, there's project management, in which case you can get very deep and very narrow in terms of your specialization. There's, there's change management or stakeholder management, similarly deep and narrow, uh, benefits management. There's all of these different um, you know, skill sets and, and, and methodologies. But what was really missing and, what, and what's been almost wholly abandoned by the industry is leadership across the top that how how do how does a leader drive across these deep and narrow disciplines uh, and really they were only given two choices at the moment well previously and what I saw was uh, first of all they're either they get deep and narrow across all of them and they become an expert at all things or number two and this is the one that happens more often uh, they discard the vast majority of it and they just run with what they know and what they know is typically things like how much is this going to cost me and how long is this going to take and, and those style of, and that, that style of lens. Uh, so valuable change and, and in particular change leadership is about driving holistically and, and looking at a, at a change in its entirety and driving it through to, to its fruition. Yeah, that's, that's an excellent description. Uh, and I think ultimately uh, it's wise to try to keep it simplistic because um, we get so bogged down in all of the various models. There are so many models. They're all proprietary models, right? Every different firm has their own magic model of what's going to like drive successful change. And the reality is it doesn't really matter what your model is. I mean, different models provide different useful framings for making sense of really complex organizations and complex systems. So in that sense, they're useful, but there's no one size fits all. There's no magical model that's going to fix things. Uh, and, and it comes down to some pretty basic common sense principles. And if we can just keep it simple and really understand the problem that we're dealing with, then it comes down more to just being able to be consistent, like clear, keep a clear vision of what the issue is, what your goal is, how you're trying to address it. And then just be consistent over time with your messaging, your modeling of behavior, how you're integrating, whatever that change is throughout 
the mechanisms of the organization, the policies, the practices, procedures, all that stuff, and then just continually beat that drum and be consistent with it over an extended period of time. That ultimately is going to be the difference, whether or not you're going to have meaningful, impactful, sustainable change, or if you're just going to have the flavor of the month or the flavor of the year. And as soon as that one leader leaves and things just kind of shift back or, or you, you end up having disruptive change that doesn't have the desired results. Um, it's not rocket science, but it is really, really hard because most people don't have the attention span or the consistency to be sustainable over time. Absolutely. And, and, and I really like how you, how you frame that because you've, you've almost described uh, my, my, my three ripple approach, which is, which is exactly, uh, which exactly as you mentioned, it, it's, and, and so I, I might touch on a little bit here is um, what I've noticed across all of the, you know, in my entire career, over $10 billion worth of change. What I've noticed is that there's one pattern that really, really helped through uh, and, and changes that failed in any one of these three ripples ultimately fell over. Uh, now, the reason why I call them ripples, and, and I'll take a slight detour here, and then, then I'll, I'll bring it back. I'll ask you, John, when was the, um, when was the last time you went to a restaurant? In person? Um, probably a couple of weeks ago. Uh, we just ordered, we just had like food delivered yesterday, <laughs> but going in person is a different matter. Yes. Okay. Well, let's, let's look at the one a couple of weeks ago. So if, if I were to, the, first of all, did you have a good time? Did you have a good experience? Uh, yeah. Yeah. It was great. Let me ask you this. If your server had been rude, obnoxious, sarcastic, would you had still had a good experience? Probably not. No. <laughs> Uh, and and so this is this is this beautiful human connection where we're able to influence each other's experience, right? And and so there is this ripple on effect. Uh, and and what's interesting is in that hypothetical, it's entirely possible that that restaurant store manager may have actually been having the bad day, which then took who who took it out on their on their server, who then took it out on 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 the customers. And that's that ripple through. And what was what's really interesting is that that's the exact same ripple through effect that I've seen play out time and time and time again when driving change. And so th- this is why I call them ripples, the three ripples of, of effective change leadership. Uh, and, and so the three ripples are in, in a really high level. The, the first ripple area is our change core. Every change leader needs to drive in that change core. And, and the change core is really built up on answering uh, three valuable questions. Why are we doing this? How will we prove it? And what exactly are we doing? You get that nice and tight and you keep that clear. And then, as you mentioned, you keep that very consistent. You then flow into your your next ripple area. And this is what I call the the inside your change. And this is where we're talking about change momentum. And you're you're driving your teams and you're you're keeping them moving forward. You're embedding that continuous improvement and and consistency within there. Uh, And you're driving them up the momentum path towards a degree of high motivation or even fanaticism. Uh, and then, well, then we shift into the third ripple, and that's outside of your change. The people that are outside of your, your immediate area, but ultimately that you need to influence. And that's where you're leveraging organizational lead, um, influence. That's where you're, you're essentially driving that change broader. And that's the three ripples of change. And all of those three need to be effective in order for a change to, to be successful.
I'm excited to announce the publication of my new book from HCI Press, Bluer Than Indigo Leadership, The Journey of Becoming a Truly Remarkable Leader. Early in my adult life, I learned about an Asian proverb that translates as bluer than indigo. If you think about the color indigo, it is a brilliant, deep, and vibrant blue. What some would call the bluest of blues. To have something that is bluer than indigo is rare and truly remarkable. Contrary to popular myth, there is no one-size-fits-all or cookie-cutter approach to effective leadership. There's no silver bullet, no secret sauce, no go-to model that will solve all of our problems. The truth is, great leaders have all had their unique strengths and flaws, and have all had to discover and then pave their own distinctive path in their life's journey to fulfill their leadership potential. Bluer Than Indigo Leadership will help you discover your own path and explore those ordinary, everyday actions that will help you respond to an uncertain future and produce extraordinary results for individuals, teams, and organizations. Yeah, I like that description. I think I think that's a really nice, clear way to go about um, doing it. And you're right. The, I like the ripple imagery because the, the ripple effects are enormous, or at least they can be, and they usually are uh, enormous. And so we need to be very mindful about uh, how we're approaching uh, change initiatives. It's one of the reasons why we, we want to get buy-in from people and we want to support people as we're going through a change initiative uh, not just kind of make a declaration and expect people to magically go to do it. Um, the, the reality is these ripple effects and the, the relational effects um, and impacts and just having mutual accountability and trust with your team and throughout the organization, those, those are going to be as important as anything else <laughs> as you're trying to go about making this impactful, uh, meaningful, sustainable change. Um so let's talk a little bit more about the change leader. Now, I'm a believer we all are change leaders. We all can be change agents. Um, you know, if I have a, a particular position within the hierarchy uh, title, you know, that might give me more positional power and that I can leverage, you know, to, to, to assert, you know, uh, my influence. But ultimately, we all have the opportunity to be change agents and change leaders. Um, but what do you mean by change leadership um, and what are some of those key elements that every change leader should really try to foster and to develop? Yeah. Uh, so something I'm, I'm a really big fan of and something that I, I help my clients do uh, and, and achieve within their organizations is embedding change leadership. So you, know, you mentioned, yeah, there, there are roles that, in, that are hierarchical and have, have embedded power, but really, uh, the most effective change comes when you have that embedded change leadership, when, when everyone involved in the change is wearing a degree of that, that change leader hat, which means they are all equally responsible for each of those three, uh, each of those three ripples. So, uh, you know, they're all contributing and driving that, that vision uh, at that core level. And then they're all monitoring themselves uh, and, and their, their colleagues when it comes to momentum and maintaining that, that forward momentum. And they're all actively uh, pursuing and driving through that influence through the organization. And, and, and it's very powerful when you do that. Uh, it's very, very powerful. Uh, as, so something I'm, I'm really big on is driving that momentum within your teams. And, and when I say momentum, I, I, I frame it in, in terms of a, it's typically an X and Y axis, where if you were to, in fact, the, the Y axis is, is, is hope 
and the x-axis is energy. And, and when I say hope and energy, uh, hope is optimism for the future and optimism for success. Uh, and energy is, is oh, if anyone that has kids know, has, has an idea of what energy is like, you know, bouncing off the walls and that, that kind of thing. I mean, we're not expecting that from, from our, our employees or our staff, but um, we're absolutely expecting that, that enthusiasm for the work. And then there are basically degrees of momentum with, within that. Now, the ideal here is, is what I call fanaticism. And fanaticism is, to, to provide some imagery there, if you think of uh, the Potterheads, those that are obsessed with Harry Potter, and that they would line up for, you know, almost a day just and, and dress up and, and whatnot just to get the latest book when, when that was at its peak. Uh, and, uh, you know, or even um, people that are obsessed with Apple uh, and, and, you know, camp out two days before to get the latest iPhone. That, that's an insane level of, well, not, I'm not going to call people insane, but that is an extremely high level of fanaticism to the point where uh, it's that they're disregarding their own personal needs to, to achieve that fanatic goal. Uh, and so that's where we need to be striving for as, as, a, as a change. And, um, and there's, there's two ways we can do it as change leaders. Uh, in fact, basically fanaticism is built on two key pillars in my experience. Number one, it's built on a sense of belonging. And number two, it's, uh, it's, it's built on uh, what I call positive disruption which is giving some, doing something different in a positive way to give someone, give someone something to talk about. And when you build those two pillars in and you continually drive towards that fanaticism and you embed that leadership so that everyone's accountable, self-accountable to, to continually try to build themselves up that curve, uh, you create something that's quite magical. Yeah, that's, that's wonderful. And so, again, we can all foster that. I, I think that's one of the great things about change initiatives and change leadership is just having this kind of democratic approach and philosophy. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm a university professor, so we talk a lot about shared governance in a university setting. That's different than a lot of corporate settings, um, but it's kind of baked into uh, what, what it means to be part of a, an academic institution that you have this, this shared governance. And I believe for change to be effective, uh, we need to take somewhat of a similar approach, not necessarily, you know, strictly speaking, you know, we still have hierarchies, we still have uh, decision makers and such, but we need to involve people in the process where they have the opportunity to have input and, and to also influence the direction. And then we all can be changed leaders uh, and, and drive within our own individual spheres of influence. And that's, that's going to be impactful. Um, and in my mind, that's one of those factors that really is going to drive your people to adopt the change. Um, are there other elements or perhaps you want to speak more to that element about like how to generate the buy-in and to generate, you know, to increase the likelihood that people will be receptive to the change rather than defensive or, you know, putting up barriers and being uh, resistant to what you're trying to accomplish? Yeah, so there's there's a there's a really simple equation here, uh, and and it's it's backed by by a fascinating study that was done in um, in Belgium, where essentially uh, these behavioural researchers um, at, at at a university there were were looking at people's response to pain, and and before that before their study, um, the the general consensus had been that we humans tend to uh, avoid pain. We will we will avoid things that cause pain. It, it, nice and logical. No one, there's no aha moment. We all tend to avoid pain. 
But these researchers challenged that notion. And, and essentially their hypothesis was that we only avoid pain if we don't have a good enough reason to pursue it and, and, and push through it. And so what they did is they actually, they, they got two groups of students uh, and, and the first group of student, um, yeah, the first group of students who I tend to call the poor souls, uh, they, they hooked them all up to a, a shocking machine, you know, electric zapping machine, uh, and asked them to complete a series of number and letter-based tasks, simple things, you know, one plus one equals two, that, that style of thing. And every, for every second question they answered um, correctly, they received a zap. Uh, and, and that was it. That, that was that first group. Uh, the second group they offered a monetary reward. And they said, every time you answer a question uh, correctly, you'll receive a point. And every point you get, we will pay you at the end of the study. And what what came out of that, and and perhaps also unsurprisingly, is that second group completed far more of these, these simple tasks than that first group because they were given a reason. And so the equation that falls out of there is what I call the value equation. And it's, it's really, really simple. It is reward minus pain equals decision. And that's, that's what we need to keep front of mind when we're driving change. Is, is so often we, we're pushing out a new system or creating a, re, a new structure or whatever it is that we're doing and, and change is inherently painful and we need to keep that in mind. And so what, what the job of a change leader or anyone that's involved in change and, and driving it and helping it stick is keeping that, that equation front of mind. How do we build up the rewards of, having, of, of driving this change through? And how do we stack that equation back towards our favor? And there are ways to, to stack the reward column and there are ways to minimize the pain. But, but ultimately, that's, that's that natural uh, underpinning equation that, that really results in, in greater adoption or, or a failed change. Yeah, again, keeping it simple. I like your, your simple equation. Uh, that seems to ring true to me in, in what I've experienced. And, and the reality is we're always going to have some level of resistance um, as we're trying to drive, you know, the more complex the change, the more resistance we're likely to, to experience. And so we just need to recognize that that's just part of the deal. Uh, it's, it's going to be part of what we have to, to, uh, to navigate. Um, but that, that doesn't mean, you know, that it's not worth trying to drive the change that we want to see. Uh, and, and ultimately we have to build that into that, to our calculus of, of like, is it worth the time, the effort, the energy, the attention, you know, the, the, the dollars put behind the initiative to, to bring it about. And, and what I see again and again and again, when, when change initiatives fail is, is there's just simply not the commitment uh, from, from leadership, throughout the organization to see it through, uh, mm-hmm. whether it's the time, the money, the attention, the ongoing effort. Right. And, and you, st- so you, you start down the path and then you inevitably hit that resistance. It comes up. And then at that point, a lot of, a lot of leaders, a lot of teams, a lot of organizations simply back off <laughs> and they say, Oh, this is harder than I thought it was going to be. So I'm not going <laughs> to continue. And it's like, of course it is. It's always going to be hard and you're always going to have resistance. You should just plan for that. You should build that into the, the equation in the first place. Exactly. Uh, that's exactly right. And, and, and I know we are out of time, uh, but, but there is another strategy to, uh, I guess, help listen, uh, lessen that, that impact as you're driving it through broader into that third ripple. Uh, and, and I won't go into the science of it because I know, I know we're close to time. Um, but, but I do explore that further in, in my book. Uh, but essentially, um, our organizations are all built out of, um, we're built in a, in a hub and spoke style network. 
So there are people in every organization that are in what I call your internal influences. They, they're the people that connect it together. Uh, and and in, ter- in terms of minimizing uh, change resistance and maximizing change efficiency, uh, they're the people that you want to be enlisting first. And I, and I go into more detail in my book around how to actually uh, you know, find them and identify them and get them on board. Excellent. Excellent. Brendan, it has been a pleasure. I note the time. I, I need to let you go here in just a minute. Um, but before we close, I wanted to give you a chance to share with listeners how they can get connected with you, find out more about your work, your team, your books, uh, and then give us the final word on the topic for today. Absolutely. Uh, so I'm at valuablechange.com. Uh, so that's nice and easy. Uh, but uh, my book is Valuable Change uh, and it is uh, Amazon, Google, kind of everywhere that you want to buy a book. Uh, it's, it's hopefully there. Uh, it paperback, uh, ebook, uh, audiobook is on its way, uh, should be out uh, within a few months. I'm not sure when this, when this podcast is releasing, but I'm, I'm targeting release of the audiobook end of 2021. Uh, so that, that will be out soon. Um, otherwise, feel free to flick me an email. Uh, I do have a weekly newsletter, uh, the Change Leader Weekly, where pulling from the latest research or reading or, or whatever has inspired me that week uh, and, and pulling them into useful little snippets that help change leaders improve their day-to-day. Excellent. Thank you, Brendan. It has been a pleasure. I encourage listeners to reach out, to get connected, find out more about what you and your team can do for them. And as always, I hope everyone can stay healthy and safe, that you can find meaning and purpose at work each and every day. And I hope you all have a great week. The Alchemy of Truly Remarkable Leadership. Ordinary, everyday actions that produce extraordinary results. Consider how the nature of work has shifted over the past 50 years. With increased globalization, rapid technological advancement, and the shift in economic composition, the average job of today looks very different than the average job of 50 years ago. What will the jobs and organizations of tomorrow look like? Moreover, what does this all mean for organizational leaders? What are the core competencies and capabilities of organizations and their leadership that are prepared for continued disruption and geopolitical and socioeconomic shifts? Regardless of what the future holds, increasingly, leaders need to be socially minded, data-driven, decisive, champions of talent, and disruptors of the traditional notions of leadership, teams, organizations, and work. The alchemy of truly remarkable leadership will help you to explore your own leadership competencies and capabilities and consider ways to apply and implement them into your workplace and personal life. Check out Human Capital Innovations magazine, Human Capital Leadership. Human Capital Leadership is a free, interactive e-magazine with the mission to help individuals, leaders, and organizations find innovative approaches to maximize their human capital potential. We publish issues quarterly in August, November, February, and May. Take a look at the latest issue and let us know what you think. Thanks again for joining us for this episode of the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. I hope you stay healthy and safe and that you have a great week.
Check out our new weekly LinkedIn newsletter, Alchemizing Human Capital, exploring industry trends via original research and interviews with executives and thought leaders from across the globe. We look forward to having you join us.